all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Hello, Mississippi. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And you're listening to the Wendy Wednesday original All Things Considered uh, Southern Remedy, where you can call in and ask whatever questions you want to ask about whatever you want to ask them about. Today, I have a special guest with me to help me with any questions about obesity in children and overweight and how you can deal with that problem and prevent further problems. So we have a lot to talk about. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and our lines are open for your call. Or you can send us a, uh, an email at Southern Remedy at MPB Think Radio. All right, we'll be right back uh, after the news. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Leaked emails from former Secretary of State Colin Powell reveal he's not thrilled with Donald Trump. Powell, who served in Republican presidential administration, said his party's nominee for president is a national disgrace. Powell's emails, first reported by BuzzFeed News, also illustrate frustration with Democratic candidate Hillary Clinton. Powell purportedly expressed that Clinton's subordinates unfairly tied her controversial use of a private email server to handle sensitive information to the way he handled email traffic at the State Department. Powell maintains there should be no comparison. Donald Trump's campaign says the Republican presidential nominee will not release his medical records during a taping of the Dr. Oz show due to air tomorrow. We have this from NPR Sarah McCammon. The Trump campaign is disputing news reports that the real estate developer plans to release results of a recent physical during the taping of the Dr. Oz show, which is closed to reporters. Campaign sources say the program will focus on general health issues like physical activity, but Trump will not discuss last week's exam in detail. The campaign is expected to release that information in the coming days. Critics of Hillary Clinton have been calling for the Democratic nominee to reveal more details about her health in addition to a two-page letter from her doctor that was already released. Trump, though, has released even less information. His physician signed a four-paragraph statement in December claiming Trump would be, quote, the healthiest individual ever elected to the presidency. Sarah McCammon, NPR News, Washington. Hillary Clinton is laying low for at least another day to recover from pneumonia. However, the Democratic nominee is uh, looking to return to the campaign trail tomorrow in Greensboro, North Carolina. Far more urgent medical concerns weighing on former Israeli President Shimon Peres. NPR's Daniel Estrin reports from Tel Aviv. Perez suffered a massive stroke and is hospitalized in critical condition, but doctors are cautiously optimistic about his recovery. Paris's personal physician, Rafi Valdan, says Paris has a, quote, pretty good chance of survival, but that it's too early to assess his neurological condition. He says Paris is sedated and breathing with a ventilator, and that he was responsive when his sedatives were reduced. Paris is 93 years old and a veteran Israeli statesman, known for his role in an interim peace agreement with the Palestinians. 
That's NPR's Daniel Estrin reporting. The White House is restoring trade benefits to Myanmar, a country pursuing democratic reforms. During pro-democracy and leader Aung San Suu Kyi's visit to the White House today, the administration said it was offering trade benefits to the Asian nation as it continues to transition from military rule. At last check on Wall Street, the Dow was up 46 points at 18,113. S&P is up 8 points at 2134. NASDAQ is up 38 at 5194. You're listening to NPR News. Mayor has secured a $66 billion deal to acquire Monsanto, an agreement that, if finalized, would create one of the world's largest chemical and agricultural giants. NPR's Yuki Noguchi says this is the result of months of negotiations. The combination of the companies would marry Monsanto's crop and farming business with Bayer's huge drug and chemical operations. A joint company would compete with other agrochemical behemoths created in other recent mergers, including Dow DuPont and ChemChina Syngenta. Bayer and Monsanto say their vast holdings are complementary and that when combined, Monsanto's current headquarter operations will remain in St. Louis. The companies expect the deal to close by the end of next year. And Bayer has agreed to pay a $2 billion breakup fee if the deal does not meet regulatory approvals. Yuki Noguchi, NPR News, Washington. Heavy rain is likely on the Georgia and South Carolina coast today, with Tropical Storm Julia moving up the coast. Georgia Public Broadcasting's Emily Jones reports the National Hurricane Center predicts the storm will weaken to a tropical depression later today. Forecasters are still predicting three to six inches of rain will fall, with as much as 10 inches possible in some areas. A flash flood watch is in effect for much of the Georgia and South Carolina coasts. Forecasters say an isolated tornado is possible in coastal Georgia and South Carolina as well. Emergency management officials in the area say roads will likely flood. The storm already brought some isolated flooding and power outages to the southern Georgia coast overnight. For NPR News, I'm Emily Jones in Savannah, Georgia. We see the Dow is now up 57 at 18,124. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Zillow. Connecting home buyers with local real estate agents. Users can browse ratings and reviews to find the agent to help them find the home of their dreams. Zillow, find your way home. And the listeners who support this NPR station. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hello, everybody. It's another live edition, or if you're an early riser on Sunday, recorded edition of Southern Remedy. And ours is the original one. That's the one that takes uh, whatever question you want answered, uh, even if we have a guest. So you don't have to worry about uh, messing up a schedule. But I am really glad, and I have invited someone I think is very special, to help me with some uh some issues that I'm seeing a lot in my own clinic today, and that is uh, overweight and obesity in children since we're starting another school year. But if you have another uh, question that you want to talk about, and we have one, uh, we got Roger from Florence we're going to go to in just a minute. 
We are certainly open to taking whatever question you've got. Our email is uh, southernremedy at mpbonline.org, southernremedy at, uh, or southernremedy.org. Either place, you can get an email to us, and uh, you can do that in real time. We can answer emails on the air if you don't want to call, but we hope you want to call because we're here to take your calls at one eight seven seven. MPB ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four and uh, so Dr. Whitney Herring, it's good to have you with us. Thank you. As you can tell, the ragweed is out. Yes. And I had my allergy shot yesterday, and I'm not sure whether it made it better or worse, but uh, boy, it's out there, and we're trying to get all everybody that that can and is appropriately. Uh, a candidate for taking the long-acting non-sedative antihistamines to start taking those if they've had a lot of nasal problems and then step up to a topical nasal steroid per the direction since those are available over the counter now. Are you seeing a lot of allergies? Oh, yes. Filling our clinics. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also, the they it's sometimes all the, it triggers all the asthmatic patients to start coughing and wheezing too, right? It does. It does. We're seeing a lot of... Asthma flares, allergy flares, colds, even pneumonia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually have seen some flu lately, which is crazy. Two, yeah. two patients have tested positive for flu in the last mm-hmm. week. They hadn't had their new vaccine, but they had right. the old one. Right. So that's crazy. And things that used to be seasonal because of our semi-tropical environment now are just, you know, all year. Yep, yep. Yeah, I think it probably has something to do with global warming communist plots and other things like that but um but i think that has something to do with it uh so you have a long interest you're a native mississippian with a master of public health degree and a pediatrician and you have a long interest in uh obesity and i guess it's hard to practice pediatrics in mississippi without developing that interest right because it's everywhere and i'm a general pediatrician but i see it all the time um, there's a huge percentage of the population, especially in Mississippi, that's obese. Um, about 19% of high school students are obese, so wow. we see it a lot. Wow, wow. And the reason that it's a problem is not a cosmetic reason, right? Right, right. It's what I tell my patients a lot is it's about the inside being healthy, not really about what you look like on the outside. Right. So we're trying to pre- prevent problems, and mm-hmm. the, I've, al- I've often told our uh, uh, audience that the study of our young teenage troops who were killed in Korea showed that a large percentage of those troops already had atherosclerotic plugs in, uh, in their coronary arteries. So this, this starts really early. And the Bogalusa Heart Study, which is done really close to here, Bogalusa, Louisiana, showed that kids really start plugging up their vessels when they're kids. Right, right. And actually, the American Academy of Pediatrics released a recommendation to check blood work on cholesterols a few years ago. So we're starting to do that on every uh, every kid between 9 and 11, just regardless of their weight. Absolutely, absolutely. So we can talk about your grandkid or your kid uh, or your weight problem, or whatever's on your mind, if you give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Florence and Roger. Hey, Roger, thanks for your call. Well, good morning. Thanks again for what you do, and I don't want to divert you from your anticipated. No, you're good. You're good. Ask your question. 
uh, but it has to do with all the variety of uh, symptoms of, that people deal with with Parkinson's. Yes. One of the symptoms that my loved one has is no appetite, lost a third of her weight, and that sort of thing, in addition to other things that would take a long time to describe. And so uh, a neurologist tried really a brand of antihistamine with a long name that I can't say to see if that would stimulate her appetite. Periactin, I think, is the generic name of that. It may have been that. It sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. uh, It didn't seem to make any difference whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So we we ran out of the prescription. I called to get more, and they said they'd need another prescription for it. It was kind of an experiment. Right. So I called to get the other prescription, and that's another long story, but I I left two messages and never got a call back. Neurologists are rare at busy. Yep, yep, I know, but that's no excuse. We still ought to return your calls. Well, let me let. Can I talk to you a little bit about how I deal with uh, and and uh, we're we're eating about talking about eating issues here today, and so that's the perfect uh, lead in. Um, uh, and then I'll come back and make sure I've answered your question. Uh, I think the most uh, the biggest mistake doctors make when people have uh, diseases. And that could uh, that could be any chronic disease, not just Parkinson's. It could be a, uh, a malignant disease. It could be chronic renal disease, kidney disease. It could be uh, something uh, as uh, simple uh, as really bad skin disease. For instance, uh, people who have psoriasis. Uh, to make sure that the reason they're not eating is that they're not having side effects from any of their medicines, and as you know, the medicines that are used to treat Parkinson's disease, uh, levodopa, the monoamine um, oxidase, the anticholinergic agents, a whole bunch of them, um, all have significant side effects. And I think one of the things that you want to do is to make sure you ask your doctor whether any of the drugs that your, uh, your wife or loved one is on uh, could be contributing to this, and if so, can you that be adjusted? Because, as you know, treating Parkinson's is like a Chinese crossword puzzle. You sort of move from one thing to the other. That's number one. Number two, make sure that, that she is not eating because she is depressed. And many people with Parkinson's disease become depressed and need an antidepressant and some talk therapy if they're able to do it. The problem is that because of the facies, the way people look with Parkinson's, just about everybody with Parkinson's looks like they're depressed. So you have to, because they have the flat facies, you know, this sort of uh, frozen face. And uh, so that would be something that it might be worth having a clinical psychologist do an evaluation on. And here's the third and most important thing. Uh, people with chronic disease don't need to be on diets. I see a lot of people who have um, chronic diseases like Parkinson's and um, uh, cancer on chemotherapy and even lupus sometimes that uh, is advanced who are on very restricted diets. And what I tell them and their uh, family is let them eat whatever the heck they like to eat as long as it has calories. One of the greatest things to eat is peanut butter. And I have a lot of people just eat peanut butter, you know, um, keep a big bottle of it right there and, and let them eat that. It's a great source of protein and calories. 
some of my patients are eating nothing but real nasty ice cream, not the low-calorie kind, just the kind that's full of calories. And I let them eat as much ice cream and as much chocolate and as much peanut butter and anything else they want to eat as possible. So it seems to me that if she's losing weight, her diet would need to be liberalized. Does any of that help you, Roger? Well, it's very educational, and we've we've sort of been through that already. The I don't want to drag it out, but the question I had was a was another uh, drug that has been now prescribed because that didn't seem to do any good. And and but I so I wanted a discussion of you know the, the offsetting. Well, if you're trying to increase appetite, which some of these are supposed to do, they also make you sleepy. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's uh, that's one of the problems. Uh, my, my loved one would sleep all day. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I don't want to increase that. This is a drug taken now, just at night. You know. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's maybe the half life is over by the time. You know. So maybe that's not a daytime problem. We're going to try it. Well, I know I know the list of all those drugs because I've used all of them. I will tell you that in general they are not that effective, uh, even the ones that have hormonal um, components to them. So. You're doing exactly the right thing. You're going to do a short-term trial like you did with the, the first one and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, you're going to stop it. But I would really, uh, another thing that you can do uh, that can be very helpful is to take her to a licensed dietitian and let her work with the dietitian on what kinds of things she likes and how they could be grouped together in a way that would increase her weight. And if you want some more information about uh, uh, weight and and diet and, in particular, uh, loss of hunger, just send me an email and I'll send you a uh, medical update on that topic. So we appreciate your call, Roger, and thanks for bringing that up. We have open lines. It's Southern Remedy, and I have a special guest, Dr. Whitney Herring, a pediatrician who has a major interest and a major practice in taking care of kids who are overweight or obese. And we'd love to have your questions. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And don't forget our Friday big-time drive to keep all things considered on this uh, program. And I'll tell you, if all things considered goes, I may have to, uh, I don't know, do something crazy. Because it's one of my favorite programs, and we need that $100,000. So give us a call on Friday or send us an email at mpbonline.org and help us raise the money to keep that on the air. So how do you tell if your uh, grandkid or your kid is overweight? Well, an easy way to tell is look at the size of their clothing because really their size should meet their age. And uh, and then if you see that that doesn't match or you knew that there was a problem anyway, go see your doctor mm-hmm. and they'll look at the weight and the body mass index, which is really a fancy calculation combining the weight and the height. Uh, they'll plot that on a growth curve and compare those and talk about whether your child is either at risk of obesity or is currently obese. So our uh, our grand one of our grandbabies in particular was really a beautiful. Well, all of them were beautiful, and they were talented and gifted and all that stuff. They all did calculus when they were in the crib. But um, one of them in particular uh, was had a lot of quote baby fat, 
I mean, a lot of it. I mean, this this kid looked like uh, that. Uh, what is that tire thing? Uh, the, Michelin. Yeah, Michelin tire person. <laughs> yeah, and everybody said that was cute. Oh, what a cute thing it was! And I kept saying, "What? Do babies that are fat end up being fat later?" So it depends on how fat. Um, there is a certain appearance and number of folds that can be healthy. But, uh, yes, it's true that when babies are, when their weight or weight-to-length comparison is too high, that, yes, it can make them at risk for being overweight uh, young kids. And then if they're overweight in kind of our magic ages around seven, that's what the studies show us really puts them at a greater risk of obesity as a teenager and then an adult. So if an uh, infant, and by the way, we have lines open. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. That's one eight seven seven mpb ring And we're talking about kids and weight control or whatever you want to talk about. Just give us a call. Um, what what uh, do you put uh, kids on diets? Because diets don't work in adults. <laughs> well, it depends on the age. It depends on how severe the weight gain has been, how obese they are. Um, most of the time, we in younger children, we give them opportunities to eliminate sugary drinks, so sodas, even diet sodas, um, juices. Are a big one because a lot of people think, oh, well, they're getting their serving of juice. We really don't recommend that they have more than one total cup of juice a day. They don't need any more than that because we would prefer that they get their fruits from actual fruits, eating an actual orange, actual apple, something like that. Um, and then other sugary drinks like Kool-Aid or things that really have virtually no nutritional value whatsoever. Uh, we'd love for them to drink more water, just water, water, water. And then, of course, milk is fine. But if they are overweight or on their way to being overweight or obese, skim or fat-free milk is the best thing. So I have this uh, dog, this uh, honorary dog, this rescue dog. And uh, when uh, the dog came, uh, the dog ate nothing but the uh, cheap dog food. Because I figured if he was a rescue dog, I didn't need to feed him anything expensive. So I got uh, you know the the dry dog food, and then I got to liking the dog. So I got him some canned dog food, and the dog wouldn't eat anything but canned dog food, which was full of fat and sugar and other stuff, and he just quit eating. And I guess if you raise kids on sugar drinks and all that stuff. Then you got a problem later, right? That's exactly right. So it starts from the very beginning. And, of course, when they're babies, they need their formula for their nutrition. Um, and once they do start eating solid foods, it's it's really not something. And, of course, breast milk is the best thing. We would prefer that over formula. Um, but once they start eating solid foods and drinking other things besides formula or breast milk, uh, of course, they can continue breast milk on into a year or even farther if that's what the mother wants to do. Um, but they don't have to start juice at six months. You don't even have to worry about that. <laughs> um, once they start eating foods, it's important to give them things that form their tastes for their uh, later preferences for food. So if you start feeding them, well, if they've already loaded up on sugar drinks by the time they get there, these 
uh, colored things in their uh, formula bottles that I see kids mm-hmm. sucking on. And mm-hmm. then uh, it, when their teeth come in, they're different colors, uh, right. like falling out. Right. Uh, do you see that? I've seen oh, a couple. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, I mean, we recommend dental care by 12 months. I know that seems early for a lot of people, but any pediatric dentist would agree that they need to be seen early. And one way to prevent cavities is, number one, take care of your own oral hygiene and brush your teeth and take care of your teeth, but also to avoid the sugary drinks and get off the bottle by 12 months. That's another thing that you can do to help their Mm. teeth. We're going to talk about what to feed kids if you call us. Otherwise, we're going to talk about football or something like that. We have, uh, My guest is a Mississippi State grad, so she can tell you all the latest statistics. So give us a call. We need your call. We're here to give you good information. We're at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And let's go to Sherry on the road. Hey, Sherry. Hi. What's happening? Uh, well, I'd like to ask a question, and then I'd like to hang up so I can hear the answer. All right. Uh, I have a three-year-old grandchild who weighs 36 pounds, and I feel that he's undernourished or underweight. He shows no interest in eating. I've tried to introduce new foods to him, and he is really resistant. I wanted to know if you think that that's underweight for his age. How tall is is he or long is he? Do you know? I I would say he's 36. Mm-hmm. And what about the rest of your grandkids? Are they skinny? No, they're they're heavier. Uh huh. Okay. Now, this is a great. I'm sorry. This is a great grandchild. Yeah. He's the only one I have, but I'm a little bit from the old school. He seems a little thin to me. I got you, and we appreciate your call and drive carefully, and we'll try to give you the information you need. Thank you for your call. So. Uh, it's interesting um, that I saw a study that I know you're aware of, uh, Dr. Herring, that uh, a study was done of people, of, of moms, and uh, and they picked moms that had uh, multiple children and children uh, with different weights. And they would ask the mom which one is the healthiest, and they would always pick the fattest one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if one of them was fat, overweight. And uh, we have this Southern deal. I know my mama, oh, man, that that clean plate club you know, killed me. I used to hide all kinds of stuff under the plate and smash it on my tray when I turned it in where I wouldn't get in trouble with my teacher. Uh, but well, they had all this stuff that I shouldn't have been eating on there. So, But this is a real good question. Uh, how do you tell if, you're, if your grandkid or your kid is overweight? How, I guess the best person to ask would be your, your pediatrician. Yes. And how do they tell? So when you go in with that concern or any really for any visit, they're going to plot the weight on a growth chart. And those growth charts are available on the CDC website. So if you want to go access it, it's divided up by 0 to 36 months and then 2 and beyond. That's CDC.com. That's the Centers for Disease Control. CDC.com. .gov. CDC.gov. CDC.gov, yes. Okay. And so it's not... You can't always tell just by putting the weight on there because it matters what the height is. A lot of times if they are small weight-wise and small 
height-wise, and this has been kind of how they've grown all along, then it may be okay. But like Dr. Rick said, it's best to ask your pediatrician. So these are percentiles and uh, on these growth curves for kids, and they're actually uh, comparing the average kid with other kids, right? And our average kids keep getting heavier and heavier. Right. Uh, so uh, I always tell people, and feel free to disagree with me, that it's not which one of those curves you're on. It's if you stay on that curve and don't fall off of it, that usually is the most important thing. Right. We we like to look at the trend. So just one point on a curve is not really going to help us. Uh, we kind of take it all into account. Family and then, of course, appetite and what they're eating. Because you could be really thin and eating things that are awful for you, and you still need to eat things that are healthier whether you're fat or thin or average or whatever. And you have some tools that you can use when you see a, ch- a child and the mother or great-grandmother, lucky dog you, I don't have any of those great-grandkids. Um, the, the, uh, if, if, uh, if you uh, ask your doctor, there's blood test and other things that you can do because if you're undernourished, you don't make protein. So what, you could get an albumin level or something like that, right. a pre-albumin. Right, right. So we, for if they're undernourished or losing weight, we will get blood work. Same thing if they seem to be gaining weight rapidly or have tried some diet changes and they're not losing, we'll get lab work to look at kidney function and salts and sugars. And uh, we will also look at things like insulin level and check for diabetes, check also thyroid. Although most of the time the thyroid is not the problem, but it's something to look at. Mm. Um, And then... Based off of that, you know, if we don't find any problems, then we make recommendations on some changes. So if this kid, uh, grandmom, is very different from the other siblings and uh, and in particular different from the cousins in the family on both sides of the equation, that is a red flag that the child is not developing normally. And you need to take that patient to your general pediatrician and if that there's a developmental problem that pediatrician will refer you to what's called a, a developmental specialist pediatric specialist right that's correct um child development clinic is the big one um and then and we have one right we do we do we have one at umc it's been called the k clinic now it's changed it's called center for advancement of youth and um, sometimes kids can be overweight because there is an underlying development problem uh, because either they can't swallow very well or they don't want to eat and so it's certainly something that you need to go to your pediatrician about and then if they uh if they need to they can refer them to those umc doctors okay i hope that helped you a great grandmom if not send me an email and i'll provide some more information and thank you for your your call and thank you for your concern about that child boy it's great to have grandparents and great-grandparents all right let's go to chris in hamilton alabama hey chris hey Hey, uh, dr rick i I appreciate y'all's uh mpb i'm an mpb junkie i live right across the state line in alabama well, I, I'm a native Alabamian, so I don't care. You're welcome hey, here. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. Now, fellas are rushing. I couldn't even grow a weed if I tried to, but <laughs> I'm not a gardener. But I love to even listen to him because he's so interesting, you know, but everybody. But anyway, it's great. But I wanted to tell you, I used to run a restaurant, and 
I had these little candy kisses. I'd go around and talk to all the customers. If they had a couple of young kids there, I'd, I'd you know, just offer them one, you know, and they, you know, just a little taste of something sweet. It wasn't a big candy bar. But then most of the parents, and I quit doing this because of this reason, they said, well, you can have it when you clean your plate up. I mean, you know, basically <laughs> like a half a plate of French fries there or something, which <laughs> is an unhealthy food anyway. And I just cringed, and I, I just stopped doing it, you know, because I just couldn't, you know, they made them kid, little kids eat something, you know, that they were completely hungry now. And, and it's, it's just crazy. You know, I, I went through that. and, and well, that, is, that is a great experience and a great thing to share because, you know, what I tell parents um, is they're lucky to have picky eaters with the stuff we're serving right now. And this will give our um, our expert here a chance to talk a little bit about what is wrong and what is right with our kids' diets, and in particular, Chris, what is going on in the school systems. You know, the school systems are trying to clean up their act a little bit because they have been culpable in this obesity uh, epidemic. So uh, let us follow up on that. You want to make any other comments? Yeah, you know, the younger kids uh – they're, they're, they're even, I'm talking about, I got a, a two and a half year old and he's got a phone stuck in his face now, but they get their phones and their TVs. They don't get any exercise anymore. Yeah. I mean, we used to go out and kick a ball. I'm, I'm 63 years old and we, we couldn't wait to get out the door. My 12 and a half year old, he's outside all the time, you know, but kids just don't, it's a different world right now. They just don't get outside and get the exercise that they did like 30 and 40 years ago. But, I mean, I said that, and I got a great show, but, and, I, and I appreciate y'all covering this subject. And we appreciate your call. We appreciate it. We'll, let's, we'll talk about the issues you've raised. So um, he's raised a bunch of good issues. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to say about it? Yeah, so um, I, I agree with the increase in what we call screen time. So when if, if a doctor says that to you, reduce the screen time, they mean TV, they mean phones, they mean video games. Anytime a screen is on, that counts. And they really shouldn't have more than two total hours of that every day. Mm-hmm. And they they need to get 60 minutes of exercise a day. And that, do, you, do you think kids should have Fitbits or equivalent thereof? I mean, I think it would be great. It's an incentive for them to kind of keep track of their steps and look at their heart rate. And it, if nothing else, get some interest in what their bodies are doing. Are there norms for kids with those things like there are for adults, like 2,000 steps or something like that? Don't Not know. that I know. Well, of. I, I'm just wondering if any of any folks listening have had any experience with Fitbits with kids, because just like our caller said, mm-hmm. they're sitting down too right. much, and it's interesting the data on sitting down. Sitting down is deadly. Mm-hmm. They've looked at office mm-hmm. workers, you know, who mm-hmm. sit down and versus right. those who don't, and the survival right. curves are totally different. Right. Right. Well, we. It's not only just that in kids, but it's that they their attention spans are shorter and they really learn better if they get the appropriate exercise, get some of that energy out, and then they can focus better in class and tend to do better on their schoolwork overall. Yeah, good point. So uh, we're going to Debbie and Jackson in just a minute, but let me uh, follow up on that with a little bit of uh, a, a, a email question. What are the foods that kids shouldn't eat? Well, a big one is fried foods. 
And that in the South, we love our fried catfish and fried chicken, but it really is best to stay away from that, from the fat content. Uh, French fries, I know they taste good, but they are just awful. And from the beginning, it's important to remember that a baby doesn't have to eat a French fry. So when you're giving them kind of back to starting very, very early, if all they have is chicken nuggets and French fries, then all they're going to want when they're three and four and five is chicken and French fries. And so you want to, even even if you don't like it, just offer it to them, put it on their plate and have them try at least taste it. And uh, kind of going back to the sugary drinks, if they say, if they will not drink water, they just hate water. I hear that a lot. You can water down whatever drink you're giving them now slowly water it down so that their taste buds can get used to less and less sugar, less and less flavor. It's sort of like when you switch from regular Coke to Diet Coke. Right, right. You know, it was a withdrawal phenomenon. <laughs> yeah. Right, because your taste buds really do get used to having something that are wanting something that's sweeter. And mm. so when, when you take some of that sweetness away, it doesn't taste as good. It's the same thing with salt. I have, uh, um, I'm always telling stories about my grandkids. I have uh, uh, a grandchild who the parents have been concerned about uh, her weight. And what they did is they basically got a whole portfolio of fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. and then introduced those one at a time till they found one. It may be only one that they like, like broccoli. Why they would like broccoli, I have no clue. (laughs) But they found one. Right. And so this kid is eating that in place of all that other garbage she she would get at school and other places. Yes. So it's sort of a detective thing, right? Right. You do have to try different things and don't assume that because you don't like it, they don't because they might actually like it. Remember that we don't really want to focus on starches like corns and potatoes. We want it to be hopefully a green vegetable or even squash or something like that. Think about fiber, too, because that is something that can make them feel full, kind of keeps the insides going and drinking a lot of water on top of that. But also snacking. It's not always bad to snack. You kind of want to keep the system going and moving throughout the day, but try to pick a healthy snack and something with some protein, hopefully lean protein that can keep you full for longer so that you don't eat a bag of chips and then you fall out to the bottom because you're hungry 30 minutes later. So what do you recommend for snacks? I like yogurt. There's, I mean, cottage. Now some of the yogurt's got a lot of calories in it. You have to be careful with yogurt. It's got a lot of sugar in it. A lot of the kid yogurts, uh, the squeeze yogurts, they have more sugar than the adult versions. But it, but the adult versions, usually they're lower fat, still have the protein and less sugar, and that can keep them full longer. Ah, so you're probably going to take the adult ones, not the kid ones. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Now, I mean... You want the live cultures to to help keep your your intestines healthy and everything, but yeah, in a, in a once they're over infant stage, go for the adult. All yogurt. right, we're going to go to your call. If you give us a call, we have open lines. We're at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Let's go to Debbie and Jackson. Hey, Debbie. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for um, waiting. I have a granddaughter, and your topic is uh, childhood obesity, and uh, I have a granddaughter who is uh, 12 and a half years old, and she is uh, very overweight, and she has been ever since she was, I would say we noticed it at about four and a half. She just was, just got really, started to get really big, and um, 
and we kept thinking, well, she'll outgrow it. Her diet has not been good, but she she does not eat. The amount she has eaten, even if it's junk food, etc., should not cause her to be as heavy and big as she is. And I'm talking, uh, I'm saying she's at least six foot tall, if not more, and, and weighs over 200 pounds and a big shoe size. And I just I just don't think that, I mean, eating too many calories will make your, your foot grow that much. And, and, and she's just very heavy. So as we, so say in, as we say in Mississippi, she is big boned. Yeah. But she's still yeah. overweight. She's very overweight. Uh, we got she's it. Very big. But let me tell you, there's no one else in the family like that. Mm. And my, my question is, um, we've tried everything, said so she's probably going to outgrow it. But my question is, could there be an underlying condition like maybe um, – uh, thyroid, which we did check at, at, at age six, thyroid or like too much growth hormone or something. And and my concern is she's got a few more years of growing uh, and she's already, you know, so big. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll do our best to address that. And I, I thank you for your concern about her because uh, the fact that she is overweight or obese at that age puts her at risk for continued obesity it's very difficult to reverse that um because the way the brain handles signals about weight we're constantly the brain's constantly telling you to resume your last weight when you lose weight so let's see what the what the expert has to say on that and thank you for your call so uh she this is a common problem uh, the kid who eats like a bird, but way, but you know, looks like, you know, a big bird. Uh, right. So, so what what is the approach to this? Well, it, it's not just about the quantity, but it is about the quality of what they're eating, and it does depend on how much they're burning, because still, for someone who, if they're not eating. Um, good quality foods that are nutritionally sound, and it's a lot of high-calorie foods, if they're not doing anything to burn those calories off, it still could be an excess of calories, which is really what we look at. What's going in versus what are you expending? What are you using to do either exercise or your daily activities? Now, there are some hormone things and um, that could cause excess growth and height and that kind of thing. But uh, that would still be something that your doctor would have to kind of look at how things have progressed and what the trend is. Well, if I had uh, a child with big feet and big hands and big bones Mm -hmm. and nobody else had it, I would really be concerned Mm -hmm. about acromegaly. Right. And I think that switches to she's already raised it. Right. And it's very easy to screen for that. And uh, I think that would be a reasonable thing to do. Uh, one of the things I've learned uh, from you and others is uh, the whole issue of keeping a calorie count, because it's amazing if you actually do a 24-hour count on what foods people are eating and how much of them and figure out the calories. And there's things on the net how to do that, or you can go to a dietitian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we eat a lot more calories than we think. Yes, even even when we're not even realizing it. Um, there, there, there used to be a food pyramid, which kind of goes 
you know, we all kind of grew up on knowing how many of each serving to eat and what's better than this. But now they're using Choose My Plate, and there's a website, choosemyplate.gov, that shows you from a plate. There's also one called Southern Remedy, uh, Southern Remedy, that has the same plate on okay. it. But the better thing about it is is the plate is adapted for Mississippi foods. It's got okra, okay. turnip greens, <laughs> and no edamame. We took that off. So there's a lot of places you can get that. You can go to southernremedy.org, uh, or you can go to the U.S. FDA site. Right, right. And what it'll do is show you portion sizes and also show you what portion of your plate should be, say, fruits and vegetables and protein, because really you should have five fruits and vegetables a day. Um, And then, of course, like a healthy dairy, you know, if you can't do dairy, you can get your vitamin D and calcium from another source. Right. So we agree with you, Grandmom, that uh, she needs to see her uh, adolescent medicine doctor or pediatrician or whoever she's seeing and you need to ask the question again whether or not she has an endocrine abnormality and there are pediatric endocrinologists uh, available to take care of that in the state uh, and at your academic health center uh, if you need that help but I would not blow that off and she probably needs a calorie count and that would be the place to start We'll be right back. We're going to Jackson and Mobile and Gulfport, and we're going to learn about Fitbits for kids. Uh, And we'll go to your house if you give us a call at 1-877-672-7464. We'll be right back. Support for MPB comes from the Pediatric and Congenital Heart Center of Alabama at Children's of Alabama, a cardiovascular care center for children in Birmingham, Alabama. More at childrensal.org slash heart. Hi, we're We're MPB MPB Think Think Radio. Friday, your station needs your help. We're trying to raise $100,000, the cost of all things considered. And we're doing this in one day. One drive, one day, $100,000. Visit mpbonline.org for more information. And tune in all day Friday to MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. 
Hey, welcome back. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, Professor of Medicine and Pediatrics, here with my colleague, Dr. Whitney Herring, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics, and we're talking about all things considered, and particularly kids and weight issues. And we hope we've been giving you some uh, helpful information. And uh, if you have uh, any questions, we still have some time to take your call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Next week, we will have an otolaryngologist here. That's a, a ear, nose, and throat person. And this particular person is uh, su- has a subspecialty in pediatrics uh, as well. It's Claude Harbarger. Uh, Dr. Harbarger from uh, Peds ENT, but he can talk about all kinds of ENT issues. So if you got a kid on the 20th set of tubes, it might be a good day to call or other related problems, hearing and so forth. So let's go to John in Gulfport and hear about Fitbits for kids. Hey, John, what info you have? Hey, I wanted to say that um, if any kids already have a cell phone, either Android or iPhone, there are plenty of apps that will count their steps for them. And I guarantee most kids have their phones on them all day. Mine certainly do. And for high school slash college age kids, it isn't uncommon for me to see my kids getting around 10,000 steps a day at the college level and around four or 5,000 steps at the high school level. Right. They don't have Fitbits. They, they have their phones, but I have gauged my phone against a Fitbit and against a $500 Garmin GPS watch, and the phone is within 2 to 3%, uh, plus or minus, of the steps on those very expensive products. That is great information. I actually did know that but forgot it. And that will. There's no excuse not to keep up with your steps if you got got a cell phone. So that is great. And is it? Uh, are there free apps to download, or does it just come on? I know on an Apple, I think it comes for free. On Apple, there's a there's a free one. On Android, there is an app called Google Fit F I T. Uh huh. And it, it will do all of that stuff. And it even has a really neat feature. If you let it know your location, you turn on your GPS. It will tell you how active you are against other people in your city. <laughs> so, for, for, for example, uh, at the end of my day, it typically says I am 80% more active than the rest of Gulfport. That is so, fantastic. Okay, say that again. That's Google what? Fit, F-I-T, Franklin Indigo Tango. Google uh, Fit. Uh-huh. And, you, and you can get that just by going to whatever uh, uh, your phone's story is right yeah the google they call it the play google play has it it's it's 100 percent free uh, it doesn't use up any extra battery uh, it's a very useful app it's got some nice graphics uh, apple has a similar product but uh the, the fitbit is great but if you already carry a cell phone you already have a pedometer on you all right well thank you so much i knew somebody would uh, be all over that and you are and thank you you helped a lot of people with that thanks for taking my call i appreciate it and i enjoy your show thank you Let's go to Mobile and Mikey. Hey, Mikey. Hey, good morning. What's happening in Great Mobile? Well, it's not raining right now, but there's still time. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all been in a sort of wet for the last couple of weeks, hadn't you? Well, actually, not very much the last couple of weeks. We did have about 10-day deluge. But um, anyhow, so, um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to catch up all the stuff that I didn't get done then. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yep. 
Um, and and uh, my question is regarding stevia, S-T-E-V-I-A. Yes. I'm sure you know, but I'm just uh, uh, it comes. You can find it really readily now, which is a great thing. I have tried to look find plants, but haven't been able to get any of that stuff. But I, I would love to grow it. Um, <laughs> my my question is. Uh, I've heard con- some controversy on it that um, it because of its what 200 times sweeter than sugar. Yeah. Although it's calorie free, that the controversy was that it actually educates the palate to um, to desire too much sweetness. And when if you're a kid, which I'm I'm a kid, but I'm a, I'm a kid with a lot of history, okay. Um, and if you're eating out anywhere, you don't. Which kids have to? Who, you know, most, most kids don't learn to cook, so they eat whatever they're given. And if they've got this extra sweet palate, um, is it, what do y'all think? Okay, we'll give you our thoughts. The uh, latest scientific. Um, evidence on uh, NutraSweet, which is aspartame, Splenda, which is Sucaltrose, Saccharin, which is sweet and low, Al-Aki-Sulfane Potassium, which is Sunet, and Stevocide, not homicide, Stevocide, which is Stevia, uh, shows that there are no uh, there's no scientific evidence of any side effects, and that includes side effects in pregnant women. So there's not any data out there showing that it's bad, but I will tell you there are data, and our guest has already mentioned some of this, that even with diet drinks, uh, these these are a problem because they do exactly what you said. They condition you to sweetness. Right, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier that once your taste buds get used to a sweeter substance then things don't taste as good when they're not as sweet and same thing with salt when you start adding salt and adding salt and adding salt then all of a sudden things don't taste as good and you need to add more salt or for the sweeteners add more sweetener so and the same way with fat which is actually sweet yeah. The sweetness in meat, the sweetness in whatever is comes from fat. So all of those uh, affect the pleasure center in your brain. You can actually do uh, electro EMGs and uh, functional MRIs of the brain when people are fed sweet and fat and salt. Salt, sugar, and fat is what kills you. All of those things turn on the pleasure center just like sex or a birthday party or Meeting a new friend, it all releases those hormones um, that, you know, make you feel good. So it, it is not addictive, but it sure is close. Right. right, right. That's right. Okay, let's go to Ron in Tennessee. We got another Fitbit uh, response. What's going on, Ron? Hey, thanks for having me on the show. I wanted to share something about Fitbits that might be helpful. Uh, okay. My, my grandson was diagnosed uh, I believe it was with childhood epilepsy, and he was treated for that and is being treated for that. But he, he had a problem with bedwetting and wetting his pants during the day, even at school and things like that. And for a you know, seven- and eight-year-old, that's very serious. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, they, the doctors prescribed a couple of things at the time, made me shake my head, but it really worked out. One of those was to get a 
a device that would vibrate about every two hours and remind you to go to the bathroom. And so uh, there was some watches available for that. They opted for the Fitbit, and it just worked out real well. And um, it also, they used it to track his sleep with. Huh. That's and great. Was, so you can set a Fitbit to uh, buzz or something every two hours? Yeah, you can set the interval. And there are watches for that for people that have this problem. But the Fitbit was a little more expensive but did just as well. Uh-huh. And it's more, you know, more socially acceptable, I guess. Fantastic. That it is a really well, and he's not having that problem anymore. He, he, you know, I guess they, they said it was an interruption in the brain where they kind of had to retrain his brain. Right. Well, that's oh, that's good. Sure. Let's see. Let's w- see what the pediatrician says about that. Thank you for your call. So, wed- bedwetting. We talked actually about a couple of weeks ago. It's terribly problematic for mm-hmm. kids. They can't mm-hmm. go to sleepovers. They can't go to Boy Scout right. stuff. Um, it stigmatizes them. Right. Makes them think they're abnormal, right? Uh, so uh, uh, the the person that we had on actually was a urologist. I'll just tell you what was said, and that was it, you want to make sure they don't have any plumbing problems, and right. if they don't, then it's a behavioral issue, right? Right, right. It it most of the time is, and um, like he was saying, there are watches available that can kind of remind them. There are. Things that you can buy that will actually detect a little bit of moisture and wake them up, you know, especially if they wet the bed at night. And so they'll, it'll wake them up so that they can go. Sometimes they'll have to start medicine to help that, um, basically by reducing the amount of urine that they make during the night. Um, but that's not always indicated. Sometimes you can use something to just, like he said, retrain the brain, mm-hmm. um, Wedding is normal, you know, up until really around like kindergarten, first grade, they really should be having more control during the day. And so if that starts to become an issue, then that's really when you have to start. Yeah, so usually if it's a, a pattern of not getting out of bed wedding, there's no kind of serious uh, psychological right. problem. But when an older child becomes right. bedwetting, then that's you usually got some psychological going on is that right, right? And, and it can it can be common when there are developmental problems of course uh this child that he was talking about had epilepsy so it can go along with other issues but yeah it's often found in, in kids with behavioral problems or developmental delay all right hope that was helpful and thank you all of our callers for the very helpful information the university of mississippi medical center and southern remedy is offering to provide few free community health screenings at churches and civic organizations on the weekends now through April performed by medical students. This includes, and nurses, this includes health screenings to measure blood pressure, blood glucose, and other indicators of health and provide some basic dietary counseling. This effort uh, represents an attempt to identify Mississippians with undiagnosed Uh, diabetes and high blood pressure and get them to health providers. If you know individuals or organizations who may be interested in this offer, please have them contact Sarah Parker at sparker3 at umc.edu. We want to thank our special guest, uh, Dr. Whitney Herring, and thank you for the calls. Southern Remedy will be back same time, same place next week, and we're replayed on Sunday early in the morning at 6 a.m. Stay tuned now for NPR's Here and Now, and we thank you for listening. See you again next week on Southern Remedy.